I'm excited to share today. Um, continuing to talk about purpose um, and continuing forward with the series that, that I've, ta- I've started to talk through. Last week, um, we talked about Nehemiah and what Nehemiah's purpose was uh, to rebuild Jerusalem, to rebuild uh, a city that had been destroyed and all of the challenges that he came up against yet was able to overcome because he was so set in his purpose to lead those that were living in Jerusalem at the time to rebuild the city. We talked about all the different ways that people tried to get in the way of his purpose and distract him from his purpose. Yet he carried on and carried forward. Uh, we've, we've been talking a lot about the purpose of the body of Christ and why the body of Christ is so important. We talked about, you know, several weeks ago about your purpose and, and how you're to be the salt and the light of the world. And continuing forward with your purpose no matter circumstance or people trying to get in the way. Of course, we know that our number one purpose is to love and honor Christ. That in and of itself takes the top spot. There should be nothing else above that. But this week, I want to talk about something that I've been studying. And I know I read from John chapter 3 earlier today, but I want us to turn to John chapter 3. I'm going to give a little background, but if you want, if you can, turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 27. That's where I'm going to start today. Uh, Before I get to what we're going to talk about today, though, I want to give a little background on what's happening before before what we read. So John chapter 3. A few uh, chapters uh, before that, John chapter 2, Jesus performs his first miracle. He changes water into wine uh, at a wedding in Cana. And he not just changes water into wine, but he changes it into the finest wine. Where the wedding guests say, wow, this is really silly. You waited until the very end to bring out the best wine. Um... Jesus only does things that are the best. He only creates perfection. So he turns water into wine. After that, he goes and he overturns tables in the temples. This is all according to the Gospel of John. He, he basically goes to the temple and flips over the tables and tells all the merchants to leave, to not defile the holy temple. In the start of John chapter 3, we, we learn and we see Jesus is teaching Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a well-thought-of leader in the Jewish faith. He was um, someone who was very much looked up to as a teacher and as a leader. And here he is coming to Jesus for instruction as someone who has questions and, and wants to learn more about the things that Jesus is saying. And that's where we get, you know, the, the very prominent John 3.16 for God so loved the world that He gave, gave His only begotten Son. We're all very familiar with that verse. Uh, after he has that conversation with uh, Nicodemus, he goes with his disciples. Now, uh, they, they leave this area, they go down to the river, and uh, Jesus' disciples begin to baptize people. Now, if you read ahead into John chapter 4, and we'll get to that next week, uh, but in John chapter 4 it says, Jesus wasn't baptizing, but His disciples were. <clears throat> And at that same time, uh, in, in John chapter 3, we see that John the Baptist and his disciples are also there. 
And that's where we're going to pick up the story. Um, but before we do that, I want to talk about John the Baptist and kind of lay the foundation for who John the Baptist is and what he was called for, what his purpose was. So John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin, and he is prophesied over several times, prophesied about in the Old Testament. So I don't feel, don't, you don't need to turn there, but I'm just going to read a few examples that explain who John is. So in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5, it says, Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Strengthen the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. Then in Malachi 3.1, it says, Look, I'm sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And then if we go ahead and jump ahead to, uh, to the New Testament, Luke chapter 1, verse 15 through 17, it says about John the Baptist, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the Spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. So, John the Baptist's purpose was to prepare the way for Jesus. He was sent to the world to prepare the way for Jesus' glory to be revealed. So John, John, in and of itself, he had an incredible ministry. He had disciples that followed him. He had quite the following, quite the, quite the uh, reputation, you could say. He was like, uh, I read somewhere the other day, John was like a celebrity pastor, but a celebrity pastor doesn't even take a case, doesn't even come close to the following that John had. Everyone was so enthralled by him. This is where I want to pick up in John chapter 3, verse 27 through 36. So follow along, follow along if you're able. So, <clears throat> again, setting the stage. Jesus and his disciples are at the river. His disciples, Jesus' disciples, are baptizing people. And all of a sudden, all of these people leave John and they start to go to Jesus. They start to go and see what Jesus is doing and choose to be baptized by Jesus' disciples. <clears throat> so, John's disciples earlier, I think in verse 24, 25, come to him and say, listen, look what's happening. All these people are leaving us and they're going over to him. That's where we pick it up in, in verse 27. It says, to this John replied, a person can, on, can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice, that joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater, 
I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. So I want to break that down a little bit. I want to break down this passage of Scripture. So first and foremost... John is very wise. In today's society, essentially what happens and what John can kind of see transpiring in front of him is kind of a passing of the torch, needless to say. He realized that what he was sent to do was complete. Because here he is, Jesus, whom he knew. He was family, of course, with him. He knew that what was happening. Now John was the one who baptized Jesus, and I'm not going to go into depth about that today, but if you want to read about it, Jesus walks up to be baptized by John, and John essentially goes, whoa, 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 I'm not worthy to baptize you. And Jesus says, let it be not for my righteousness, but for yours. That's a paraphrase. Um, Because... In that moment, John realized his place. He realized his purpose. Not that he was greater than Jesus, but his, the Lord's will needed to be done. So he obliged and baptized Jesus. So I, I can imagine as this is happening that John's disciples are over here saying, this guy is coming to take your place, man. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Come on, stand up to him. You know him. He's your, he's, your, you know, he's your relative. Go talk to him. But John doesn't do that. Instead, he goes, bump the brakes a little bit. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. So I want to really highlight the, the, the passage of Scripture where John talks about the bride and the bridegroom. So, the reason that this is so important and so relevant is in Jewish tradition, especially at that time, John, who would consider himself to be the best man in a wedding, in this wedding, would have escorted the bridegroom to meet his bride. So in tradition, the best man of a wedding would bring the groom to the bride for, for, the, for the wedding. So John could see that his purpose was to prepare the way for the bridegroom to meet the bride. Jesus was the bridegroom. His people were the bride, still are the bride. We are the bride of Christ. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. Full of joy. If any of you have ever been in a wedding as a, a bridesmaid or a groomsman, 
whatever that may be, you know the thrill and the enjoyment of watching someone you care about walk down that aisle and take a step into their future. The joy that overcomes you. I remember when my oldest sister April got married. I would have been 16 at the time. Uh, And if you didn't know... As Verxes were criers, uh, especially my, my sisters, all four of them. Um, so my sister got married at Living Word, and um, the doors open. And here are my sister standing there next to my dad. And I'm at the back, the back of the groomsmen. Uh, and the guy in front of me was Keeve Israelson, great guy. And I see my sister, and I'm instantly like, <laughs> just bawling just bawling and Keeve does one of those like underhanded tissue tissue and I'm like oh thank you I look over at my sisters on the all of them just like no no waterproof mascara just bawling just makeup everywhere and uh you know we my sister April she walks down the aisle and and you know she gets married and everything goes on but that moment when you saw her open the door, and, and one thing I love to do at weddings, everyone's eyes are on the bride. I love to look at the groom. Because most of the time, the groom is equally as excited to see his bride as, the, as everyone is to see the bride. And a lot of times in those moments, you'll catch a glimpse of the groom's heart. I've, I've, I've done photography at weddings, and, and I've been to a lot of weddings, and sometimes you'll have this real tough groom. I'm just tough. It's who I am. And that door will open, or the bride will rock around a corner if it's an outside wedding, and you instantly see all of that fall off, and you see their true nature. So imagine how John felt that he knew his purpose was to prepare the way for the bridegroom, for Jesus to come. And the joy that that had to carry, the joy that had to carry. And the thing is, is John knew exactly what his purpose was. He wasn't trying to compare his purpose to someone else's. He could have said, you know, my purpose, I don't really like it. I see this person over here. They're really successful in business. Maybe I should try that. Or, oh, th- this person over here, they have quite the following. I, you know, I, I want to try that. Or they look like their life is really good. I, I, I kind of want to try that. No. He didn't compare his purpose to anyone because he knew from the beginning what his purpose was. His purpose was to prepare the way. To prepare the way. To prepare the way for people to be ready to receive the Messiah. Because if you remember, between the time that Jesus is prophesied about and when he actually comes is quite the span of time. So in order for people to be ready to receive a Messiah, they first had to know that the Messiah was coming. You know, John was an evangelist. He wanted to tell people, be ready, be ready, be ready. And he was so 
confident in his purpose and the call that God had asked him to do that he didn't allow anything to get in the way of that. The second thing I want to draw your attention to in this passage of Scripture is that John didn't allow others, his disciples, to draw him away from his purpose. His disciples kind of wanted to get him riled up. It talks about that his disciples before this were in a disagreement with the Jew about purification. Purification to be baptized. He didn't allow his disciples to say, John, what's going on? We should probably do something here. Exactly. Exactly. And I think the thing that's so important is the Lord has already equipped us to walk out the exact purpose He has for us. He's already put everything in our lives that we need to walk out His purpose. It's already been placed before us. He does that from the very beginning. John, when he was in the womb of his mother Elizabeth, Mary walked in being pregnant with Jesus and it says that John leapt in the womb because he knew who he was in the presence of. So from the beginning, John knew what his purpose was. So we know that God has already equipped us for a very specific purpose. He has prepared that from the time that we were born. So trying to compare your purpose to someone else's purpose is pointless. It's a lot of peas, but it is. It's pointless because that person who's walking out that specific purpose for their life was planned and equipped to do that. You were planned and equipped to do something else. So if you see someone that's walking out, maybe a, a call for ministry, and you go, man, Lord, I really want to do that. Maybe that's not the plan and the purpose for your life. It could be. But don't compare your purpose to someone else's. It will get you nowhere. So imagine, I want you to imagine with me, who, we all know who the Wright brothers are, right? Everyone's familiar with that? They invented the airplane. Now imagine if the Wright brothers decided, you know what? I don't really want to be an inventor. I don't. I see this person over here. They're a really successful businessman. I want to do that. I'm not going to invent things. I'm going to go do that. They wouldn't be walking in the purpose that God had called them to do, to build and invent and to use their mind to be creative. Same with Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison, who invented a lot of things, primarily the light bulb, that's probably his most famous one. What if he would have said the same thing? I don't want to, I don't want to be an inventor. I don't want to be creative. God had equipped him and put things in his life to use his creative thinking to create things. But what if he would have said, no, I see that person and their purpose looks really cool, so I'm going to go after that. He didn't. God has prepared specific things. I think a really perfect example of that is Billy Graham. We all know who Billy Graham is, right? Billy has since passed away but he was someone who led millions of people to know Jesus. Shree and I were talking about Billy Graham last night. We talk about Billy Graham and the ministry that he has often. But what about his parents? 
What about Billy Graham's parents? They instilled in him from an early age the desire to share Jesus with people. Billy, Billy Graham was an incredible speaker, incredibly motivating, could break down the gospel in such simple ways for people. But what if Billy Graham would have said, you know what, I don't want to do that. I see this other person over there, and I like what they're doing. I want some of that. The Lord had equipped him to be an evangelist, to be somebody that could shine the light on the love of Christ to people. Just like the Lord had equipped John to prepare the way for Jesus to come. To prepare the way for Jesus to come. Trying to compare your purpose to someone else's is like comparing apples to oranges. We are all uniquely created. We are all uniquely created. So trying to compare our life to someone else's life and what they're walking out and what we're walking out is fruitless. You're not going to be able to get anywhere with it. If anything, it's just going to cause you to get frustrated. So be confident, just like John was. He knew exactly what his role was. His role was to prepare the way for Jesus to come. John had quite the following. John had quite the following. Passing of the torch, talked about that. Essentially what happened was here John has this huge following and all of his followers are now running to Jesus. The human response, let's say you have a, a, a business. You own a you own a, a, a clothing business. We'll just say that. A clothing business. You make really cool clothes, and people are all about your clothes. Think about all the clothing businesses that were cool in the 90s that don't exist anymore. Anybody remember Jabot Jeans? Can't even, I can't even say it. Like I, When I was a kid, I'm like, that's, it made no sense to me. Jabot, all these clothing band, brands that were once popular that don't exist anymore. Imagine you built that. And now your relative, your family member goes, hey, I'm starting a clothing business too. I'm going to call it something similar to Jabot. And everyone goes and buys their clothes and leaves you behind. The natural response would be, what the heck? Why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? In a much more complicated version, that's what exactly happened here. Jesus' ministry had begun. And all of those that were following John realized who Jesus was. And they desired to be with Jesus. John could have responded in a way of frustration, anger maybe, and said, what the heck? I didn't think my time was done. But we hear, and it says, John was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. So you don't believe that the Holy Spirit was telling him, it's time, it's time. And imagine the excitement that John would have when he gets to say, hot dog, my job is fulfilled, my purpose is fulfilled. I get to see Jesus glorified. I get to see him walk and be the Messiah. Because again, John knew him at an early age. It's kind of like this anticipation. 
Something good is going to happen. When is it going to happen? And when he gets to see that it happens, the joy that he must have felt to say, wow, I am witnessing history happening. And I think that the key is John didn't respond in envy or hate or frustration or pride. John's faith made him fearless in the face of opposition. It could have been really easy for him to go, yeah, you're right, disciples. What's going on here? And play along with that narrative. No, he didn't. His faith in knowing what his purpose was and what Jesus' purpose was made him fearless in the face of opposition. He even says, he must become greater and I must become less. How unselfish. How unselfish that he would say, I need to become less. And how true is that in our own lives? That Christ needs to be magnified. He needs to be the one lifted up. Where when people see us, they don't see us. They see Jesus. He must become greater and I become less. John knew exactly what his purpose was. To prepare the way for the king. He got to see his purpose fulfilled. Man, I just can't get over how satisfying that had to be for John. How cool it had to have been for him to look up and see that Jesus was taking his place as the Messiah. Something he knew for a long time was taking the place of the Messiah. Now, if you read on in the story, John ends up being thrown in prison. He has this encounter with Jesus. After that, he gets thrown in prison. There's actually a moment where John questions whether or not what happened was right. He sends for his disciples to send for Jesus to make sure that he was the Messiah. So even though he knew, he still had doubt. He still, had, he still questioned. Yet Jesus didn't respond in a hateful way. He responded in love. So, I want you to picture this. Jesus is across the river. Let's, let's imagine the St. Croix. We're, John is over here on the Minnesota side. They're baptizing folks. Jesus is over on the Wisconsin side with his disciples, and his disciples are baptizing folks. And all of a sudden, all the people that are over here in Lakeland go, I'm going over to Wisconsin. I want to be with that guy. And they all leave. And John's disciples are all up in arms. What's going on here? And I imagine that John has this moment. Now, the St. Croix is a pretty wide river. So probably, you know, not a great example. But imagine a, a not so distance across. I imagine John making eye contact with Jesus. And there being some sort of maybe nonverbal exchange. Like, almost like a tip of the cap. Like, it's yours. Take it. Now, John would continue on in his ministry after this time. But he was never upset because through all of this, he knew 
what he was supposed to do. He was the best man. He wasn't the main attraction. You go to a wedding to see the bride and the groom. You don't go to see the bridal party. They look nice. They put on fancy clothes. You don't go there to see them, though. You go there for the bride and groom. At a wedding, that's the reason that you're there. And how selfish would it have been if John said, I'm the best man, I'm the main attraction. No, he knew his place, he knew his purpose. He got to be the one that stood back and said, watch what Jesus can do. Watch what Jesus can do. Watch what Jesus can do. He also had a spirit of expectation. John knew what Jesus was about to do. He knew that he was going to walk in miracles. He knew he was going to walk in the divine. He knew what Jesus' coming meant for people. He knew. So how amazing was it that he got to watch it unfold, that he got to be there. John's ministry was one of great significance. A lot of people repented because of John's ministry. He also prepared the way for Jesus to come. Yet, that doesn't mean it didn't come with challenges. A lot of times when we're walking out our purpose, we expect it to be this you know, yellow brick road that's exactly leading us right where we need to go. And there's going to be no challenges along the way. If you remember in The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy encountered several challenges. Now, that's a, a pretty simple example but when we're walking out our purpose, there could be challenges. John ends up in prison, and ultimately he ends up being beheaded because of his purpose. But in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So, let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. John, in his purpose, was, when, in that moment, he knew it was complete. It doesn't mean that he didn't face challenges along the way. But with great endurance, with great challenges, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Your endurance has a chance to grow. What is endurance? Endurance means you can keep going even when it gets hard. Endurance when you're exercised means that when your muscles get tired, you can keep going. When your lungs feel like they're going to explode, you can keep going. When our faith is tested, it creates endurance in us. So that way, the next time things come up, the next time you're John, you know, in this example, John's disciples challenge him and say, what's going on here? His faith had grown to the point where he said, you know what? This is exactly what was supposed to happen. This is exactly what was supposed to happen. And he saw the significance in that. Do you have the same expectation of faith for your purpose and your call on your life? Do you expect to see the Lord fulfill His purpose in you and your family? 
I challenge you every single day, wake up and say, Lord, I want to walk out your purpose for this day. I've said this before when we were kids. Uh, every day walking out to school, I would say, Lord, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, discern in the Spirit. I will not worry. I will not fear. I will trust in Jesus every day. I'm 34 and I can still say that. I haven't lived in my parents' house for 16 years. 13 years. That's what we should want. We should expect everywhere we go, just like John expected, that we are walking out the purpose that Christ called for us and that our kids are walking out the purpose they called for us and that our siblings, our parents, whoever that may be, are walking out the purpose and the plan for us. Have that expectation and then have the courage and the faith to finish the work that Christ has started in you. No matter what happens, no matter what happens, no matter what challenge comes against you, no matter what thing tries to get in your way, have the faith, have the courage to stand up for your purpose. Sometimes that means having challenging conversations. Sometimes that means standing up to somebody that makes you squirm or uncomfortable. Sometimes it means standing up to somebody that you love so dearly. And having that conversation, no, I am walking out the purpose that Christ has set before me, that God has prepared me for. John knew that was his purpose. He knew that he was meant and was sent to prepare the way for Jesus to come. To walk, walk it out. To walk it out. And we only get snippets. We don't know of all the things that happened in the day-to-day of John's ministry. But what we do know is when the time had come that it was time for him to let go and move on. He was obedient. He was obedient. Because he knew that what was coming was better than anything he could have ever done. He knew. And sometimes in our life we hold on to things. We hold on to things that we need to let go. We need to let go of things that are, are in the past, that are things that could potentially be holding back our purpose. In that moment at the river, John could have very well said, and you know what? I don't want to give this up yet. I'm not ready. I'm still young. Search your hearts. Are there things that you've been holding on to that you needed to give up and let Jesus lead? John had to give up his ministry, his following, the thing that he worked so hard to build. He had to give it up, and he did it willingly. He did it willingly. He did it willingly. 